0: What I want us to be able to see tonight is seeing God at work. In other words, his big picture. Now, how we see him at work is how we relate to what God is doing. If we only think that God is working on your or my personal situation, and we forget about the big picture, what is God's end result? God's end result and desire is that all know that he is the Lord God. That's every nation, every tribe, every tongue. He's working on that from the beginning in the era of creation all the way through revelation. That's what God is doing. And God wants us to begin to see him from that perspective. Jeremiah 32 and 42, this is what the Lord says, just as I bought all these calamities on them, so I will do all the good I have Promise them. You know, this is what I love about the Lord. The Lord will bring his righteous, his holy judgments, but he does that for good, and he also will bring his promise. What is what we need to understand? He's the God of his word. And his word is good, every single bit of it. We may categorize the blessings as being good, but the curses or the consequences, that's not good. It's not true. God is good, so everything that he does is good. God hates idolatry. He hates uh, idol worship. He hates anything that we put before him. He hates, you know, uh, again, rivalry. He hates um, us selling or doing whatever to profit. He hates this. And this is what they were doing. But again, it's not too far from what we see in our very own nation. How God dealt with Israel is how God deals with all nations. Why? Because Israel was the nation that he created. He didn't just choose them out of a bunch of folks. He raised them up. He caused them to come into existence so that through Israel, through the Jews, all the other nations would understand what it meant to be a nation that was under God and they would desire their God, amen. From Genesis to Revelation, big picture, God has always been trying to reveal himself. It was supposed to be through Adam and Eve. And then as they were fruitful and multiply, they did not do it. And after man couldn't do it, genesis chapter 11 then god decided that he needed chapter 12 because of what happened in 11 I need a nation and that nation was the nation of Israel. And they failed because they were persuaded and began to chase after the other nations instead of causing the other nations to come to their God. It is the same way with the church. When the nation of Israel, it did not work, then God let Jesus come, he walked on the earth. And then God said, I'm gonna raise up my church so that I can reveal myself through my church and we the church are not doing a really good job amen and i will lay your cities waste and make your sanctuaries desolate and i will not smell your pleasing aroma and i myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled by it notice god said he's going to do this he didn't say lucifer satan or the devil he said i and I will scatter you among the nations. I will unseat the sword after you, and your land will be a desolation, and your cities will be a waste, and then he goes on again, wave five, and as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into the hearts and the lands of their enemy, The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight and they shall flee as one flees from the sword and they shall fall when none pursues. They shall stumble over one another as if to escape a sword, though none pursues and you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. And we know that in the New Testament, God says that I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. He's saying that in reference to, again, those that are in Christ, in him, but those that are not, that have turned their back against him, God says, I will send these things upon you and you shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those of you who are left shall rot in your enemies' land because of their iniquities, and also because of the iniquities of their fathers, they shall rot away like them. See the big picture, the people, what they were doing, that God was so detestable to god god had sent prophets he had sent warnings he had even began to send the various waves one through four and they still were not getting it i challenge us what are we missing and what are we not seeing that god is telling us And I say us collectively that he is not pleased with the things that are happening. When we see again that there are uh, drag queens and all kinds of stuff inside the church and promoting it as Christ-like, then we have to wonder What is the big picture? What is God saying and what is God doing? And why is it that he seems not to be responding to our prayer when we're crying out for revive? We need a revival, revive our nation. And God perhaps is just what he said to the Israelites because you're doing these things and this is what I'm going to do. He says, but if they confess their iniquities and the iniquities of their father in their treachery that they committed against me and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walk contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquities which brings us to second chronicles seven and fourteen if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves um, seek my face turn from their wicked ways pray turn from their wicked ways then uh i will hear And I will heal them, I'll forgive them and heal their land. God goes on to say, He says, and then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them, and also its Sabbath, while it lies desolate without them. We know that was a 70 year period. He says, and they shall make amends for their iniquity because they spurned my rules and their soul abhorred my statutes, meaning they hated them. They refused to listen. They refused to do it God's way. Actually, they believed their way was better than God's way, and they would not listen or heed the warnings. Saints, I pray that we will see the things that are happening and what's going on, and we will hear the warning that we will take what God has said in his word as the absolute truth, the final authority, and anything that goes against that word is not of God, and let us not proclaim it as being of God and from God. Yet for all that When they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord, their God. And the Lord, again, said this is during the time of Moses that he's telling them because God already knew what they were going to do, just as he already knows what we're going to do as individuals and collectively as the corporate body, the body of Christ. But I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in sight of the nation, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. God's desire is to be seen and known as our God, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the God of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. He said, these are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. And then he goes on and he says, um, again, seeing the big picture of what's going on, think about when you were reading this uh, as not just this week, but as you have read before and as we continue to read, it, last week, he says, your dead body shall be food for all the birds of the earth, and there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and the tumors and the scabs and the itch of what you cannot, of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with, my, uh, with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. It sounds like Again, when we look at Romans chapter one and he talks about a retrobate mind and you shall grope in the darkness and you shall not prosper in your ways. And you shall be robbed continually and there be no one to help you. The Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, and you shall become a horror, a proverb and a byword among all the people where the Lord will lead you away. And you shall father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. And he will bring upon you again all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid and they shall cling to you every sickness also and every affliction that is not recorded in the book of the law. The Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. Again, this is wave number five. This is what we need to see that was going on when we read again in the book of jeremiah when we're looking at ezekiel and again as the consequences they end up in babylon during the time of daniel it is the fulfillment of what god told them he would do in leviticus 26 and deuteronomy due to their disobedience worshiping other idols turning their back on god and allowing other gods to replace God even if it is even if it was the god of self whereas you were as numerous as the stars of heaven you shall be left few in number because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your god And as the Lord took the light in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take the light in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you. And you shall be plucked off the ground that you are entering to take possession of. And the Lord will scatter you among all the people from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your father has known. Again, this is a combination of Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. Why does he say it more than once? Because God wanted them to understand that he was not playing, that he was serious about this. So from very beginning, he laid it out and it was to be read to them. In fact, when the king took office, the king was to either write it himself or have someone take a scroll and write this. And he was to read it, the king continuously, but read it before the people at least once a month. But it was to be on an ongoing basis in their hearing, Amen. The books that were written so that they would know what God's laws are. That's why during the time of uh, Josiah, when they found the word of God and remember, Josiah had gone and tried to undo the things that Manasseh had done. He tore his clothes and he began to weep because he knew they were undone. They were so far from what God had said. Then this message came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all people in the world. Is anything too hard for me? See, I want us to look at that. And again, looking at the big picture, because when we run into, I know I do, I can't speak for you. But when I have challenges and conflicts, I take this particular scripture and I say, is there anything too hard for God? And I answer, absolutely not. But in the context in which it is, God says this to Jeremiah, after he tells Jeremiah the things that he's going to do, his righteous judgments, and the things that they will experience and suffer through as a result of, again, them turning their back on God. But I love this. See, God In 32, he's laying out the consequences of their action. But what I love about God is God does what is needful and always from the framework of love. And that's why we can say that he does all things well, everything. He's perfect in all his ways. But while Jeremiah is focusing on the things that are going and the destruction of his people and them being scattered and all of that, God immediately begins to respond because he's a big picture. He's always looking at the future. And Jeremiah is probably praying and asking about the now, but God begins to speak to him about what he's going to do. Saints, I want to encourage you because oftentimes that's exactly what God does with you and I. We're focused on right here, right now, today. And God begins to tell us about the future in hopes that we would understand he's doing that so that we would know, don't worry. You know, don't be over distraught. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Look, Sylvia, I see beyond today. I see beyond the here and now. I see all the way to the end of time. So let me tell you about that. In 32, it said, 33 and two, this is what the Lord says. The Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord. Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Amen. So God is telling Jeremiah to ask him. But before Jeremiah could ask, God began to tell him about what is going to happen in the future, what is coming. God is encouraging him in the midst of the situation. And that's what he does with you and I, no matter what the situation is and no matter how dire it may seem, God is always there and he's bringing encouragement. And that is so important for us saints because, Again, when we look at what's going on in our nation and around the world, we must know that what Jesus said, that lawlessness would increase, that many would fall away. And he's talking about the body of Christ and their love grow cold. What will keep us and sustain us is to know the things that God has prophesied, that he's promised, and that he will bring to pass just as he did during the distance he did when he said and prophesied through Elisha through uh, Isaiah through Jeremiah, John, so on and so forth. he steal every word that God has said and everything that he said he will do. That's exactly what he's going to do. So in the midst of all of this big picture, God goes on and he says, nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. Amen. In the midst of it. Then he goes on, he said, then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good I do for my people. And they will tremble with awe at the peace and the prosperity I provided for them. This is what the Lord says. You have said this is a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yet in the empty streets of Jerusalem and Judah, other towns, there will be heard no more. So the people's perspective and even probably Jeremiah is exactly this. Now, everybody's gone, it's desolate, the animals gone. All these things are happening. There's nothing left. We're losing hope. We're losing. There's despair everywhere. But he's saying the, the sound of joy and laughter, the joyful voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard again along with the joyous songs of people bringing thanksgiving offerings to the Lord. They will sing, give thanks to the Lord of heaven's army, for the Lord is good. His faithful love endures forever, for I will restore the prosperity of this land to what it was in the past, says the Lord. Saints, I want that to encourage us again that no matter what the situation is, no matter how dire it may look, amen, God is still alive. He's still seated on the throne and God is still at work. And no matter what it, it looks like and what we come against as believers, our hope, our trust and our faith is in him. And in him, though it may appear to be the worst of times, it is the best of times because there is nothing better than being in him. This is what, and it says, for I will restore the prosperity of the land to what it was in the past, says the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. This land, though it is now desolate and has no people and animals, will once more have pastures where shepherds can lead their flock. Once again, shepherds will count their flocks in the towns of the hill country, the foothills of Judah, the Negev, the land of Benjamin, the vicinity of Jerusalem and all the towns of Judah. I, the Lord have spoken, you know, again for us because we know modern day Israel, but remember God is saying this to Jeremiah in the midst. Of all that has happened and all that is continuing to happen again in the midst of all the despair, all the despair. And again, I want to encourage us, whatever it is in the midst of it, always see God, always see God. He's there and God has a plan and he has a purpose and it's much greater than you and I and what we're currently going to going through as it was for them. What they were currently going through, as terrible as it may have sounded, as it had been, God had something greater and far better in store. The day will come, says the Lord, when I will do for Israel and Judah all the good things I have promised them in those days. And at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David line, and he will do what is just and right throughout the land. In that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. For this is what the Lord says. David will have a descendant sitting on the throne of Israel forever. And there will always be a Leviticus priest to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings and sacrifices to me. Then this message came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant, hear this, with the day and the night so that one does not follow the other, only then will my covenant with my servant David be broken. He is a covenant-keeping God. And no matter what it looks like, again, God will not break his covenant. Amen. He wouldn't he won't break it with Israel and the Jews and he will not break it with us. Amen. But we can be like them who turn our back away from God. We can leave him. We can break it, but he never will. And he says, if you can cause me to break my covenant with the day and the night, then he says, only then Will he no longer have a descendant to reign on his throne? God made a promise and he keeps them. The same is true for my covenant with the Leviticus priests who minister before me. As the stars of the sky cannot be counted and the sand on the seashore cannot be measured, so I will multiply the descendants of my servant David and the Levites who minister before me. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, have you noticed what the people are saying? The Lord chose Judah and Israel and then abandoned them. They are sneering and saying that Israel is not worthy to be counted as a nation. But this is what the Lord says. I would no more reject my people and I would change my laws that govern night and day, earth and sky. I will never abandon the descendants of Jacob or David, my servant, or change the plan that David's descendants, David's descendants will rule the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead, I will restore them to the land and have mercy on them. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up for David, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. That's Jeremiah 23, five and six. Again, he he made that decree, that proclamation. He prophesied it in Jeremiah 33, but he'd already said it in 23. Who is this branch? We know that the branch is Jesus Christ. He is the rightful heir of David's throne. Jesus brought salvation to all people. He did not come as a military warrior like the prior kings of Judah, as perhaps they expected. Yet he came and he's coming back again soon. He came to us gently with love and he died for us all so that we might escape the penalty of death and have eternal life. And one day soon is returning to claim his bride, his church and destroy sin forever, amen. God made that promise to them and he is making it to us. See, Jesus, he is our covenant keeping, promise keeping God. He is our living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. First Peter 1, uh, one and 3. Our hope Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our savior and Jesus Christ, our hope. He is our living hope, is our hope. And looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The time frame between Jeremiah prophesying about Jesus Christ and his birth is approximately 470 years. God again is seeing from the big picture perspective. He sees long range. Amen. And that's what he wants us to be able to see. That's why he tells us that we are to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. That we're not to be anxious for anything, but through our prayers, petitions and supplications, let them be known to God. But also God wants us to have eyes to see and ears to hear so that he can bring us into big picture seeing, big picture hearing, so that we're not praying against what God is doing, but we can pray with God. An example of that is Elisha. When he prayed that it would not rain, he was familiar with the waves of judgment and so when he was praying that it did not rain and it didn't for three and a half years he was aware of what god is doing god even tells them that they need to pray for babylon that babylon would do well and prosper because if babylon does then they shall so in other words don't pray against your captivity Pray that your captivity will be peaceful, that they'll prosper, and that I will cause you to prosper too. God is the big picture God, and he works according to the big picture, amen. Our purpose and the destiny it gave us fits in to the big picture of God. It's not an individual. It's not me, myself, and I. It's about him, his kingdom. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Saints, the bottom line is this. As the Israelites had to wait in Of all the suffering for God's appointed time, according to his big picture work, so must we. There are so many things that are going on that if we are not able to see the big picture, we can become discouraged, we can become disgruntled, and maybe even say the wrong things, some crazy, stupid things in reference to God. But when we can see the big picture and know that God is at work, Then we can know that even though it may look like that our prayers are not availing what we're asking for, for our nation, for our city, for the world, they are not prayers that are are being prayed in vain. God is at work. And especially when we can see the big picture and we're praying in alignment with what God is doing instead of praying against what God is doing. Jeremiah's prophecies are continuing to be fulfilled even now. More Jews are returning to Israel just as God promised in Jeremiah 33. He who scattered them would gather them and we who are alive today have the privilege and the honor of being able to see that. Israel was reestablished as a nation in 1948, amen. In one day, just as God promised, and he said he would do it with all of his heart, and he did. Here's the thing that we need to understand. Apostle Paul and later John prophesied, and they said that a third temple would be built. Plans are already in the works for it. Don't be carried away and deceived regardless of what they say. But the day will not come until three two things happen. First, there will be a time of great rebellion against God. Saints, get ready, get prepared. Stop asking to go back to the good old days. And when are things going to go back to the way they were? You need to let God to prepare you for the here and the now. Read the word, see the big picture, and know that God is already prophesying and speaking about the things to come. He's trying to get us ready. He's equipped lifting us so that we can stand our ground and do all there is and put on the whole armor and keep on moving. Amen. And the man of rebellion will come, the son of hell. He will defy every god there is and tear down every other object of adoration and worship. Notice those are the small g-o-d. He will go in and sit as god in the temple of god claiming that he himself is god amen he did astounding miracles even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone is watching and with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast he deceived all the people who belong to this world He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that everyone refusing to worship it must die. Amen. We're talking about the time when, again, uh, the Antichrist and What is required? The mark of the beast. God is trying to prepare us, help us to see the big picture. So we're no longer kind of in the gratification of the here and the now. And when we suffer, we suffer knowing that it's not in vain, but it is for the Lord, our God, who is coming back and going to do great and marvelous things. And uh, the Apostle Paul said that the suffering, that we may suffer now, and even with the Jews and what they suffer is nothing compared to what we're going to receive. Our rewards, our gift and being able to be with him. Amen. Those that are in him, see and read the Bible so that we can see the big picture. We can get uh, the revelation of what God is doing and God is saying. And my only question is, Again, because lawlessness is going to increase, and the love of many is going to fall away. And um, again, many will fall away and their love uh and the their love is going to decrease. Sorry. We have to ask ourselves, are you ready? Are you ready? And this question is not something we can answer in our own physical strength, because our physically, we will never be. But spiritually, are you ready because you are asking God to give you eyes to see and you see beyond yourself, your family, you see beyond the picture in the picture. You see the big picture and God is at work to bring forth his desired and expected outcome.
1: Well, I just want to say, I think you've uh, you've made a really powerful point about the big picture. And we see the confirmation of that in scripture where Paul is saying that when this time comes, that we're not going to be caught by surprise. And the reason we're not going to be caught by surprise ultimately is because of these prophetic writings. It's because of all of these things that the Bible has given us to show us the big picture of God. He said, you're not children of the of the dark, your children of the light. So that when these things begin to happen, we're going to know not the day or the hour of Jesus's return, but we're going to understand the season that we're in. And that is critical. And I think that's like the the call that we see through this word and through what you're saying with not praying against what God is doing. And sometimes that can be difficult because, you know, we want, obviously we want things to go well. We want there to be peace and you know, we just want things to be comfortable as best as we can in our flesh. That's what we would think would be right because we're supposed to be people of peace because of course, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But if we know that he has shown these prophetic things, in the word that there's no thwarting God's purposes. He says, you know, whatever he has already determined, every word of God is going to prove true. So the more in tune we are with the spirit of God, the more we're in that secret place, the more we're going to hear and connect with his heart and be able to have a stronger discernment in the word and in the world to see with eyes that see spiritually into this big picture, because that is where we don't have anxiety because of what's happening in the world and that is where we learn to play pr- to pray in cooperation with God's will that his kingdom would come because that is the big picture it's mm-hmm. not about you know our kingdoms advancing it's not about the world remaining as it is because it's awful in the first place but it's about his kingdom coming and that is exciting so whatever it takes to get to that place, that should be what we desire in our heart. Lord, let your will be done. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And and we know you've said, that the lawlessness and the wickedness is going to increase on the earth. But you promised at the same time that that was happening, that the righteous would be being refined, that your bride is going to be made white as snow. That is so encouraging and that is awesome. But it does remind us that we shouldn't like let all of the wickedness that's increasing in the earth cause us to be discouraged as if darkness Mm -hmm. is winning Mm -hmm. because they're not winning because we know what the end result is for them that they're literally going to be crushed in God's wrath. So praise the Lord. And I I just think that perspective, Sylvia, is critical for us as we move forward in these days. So thank you for sharing.
0: Amen. And thank you for sharing that because it absolutely is. If we don't have that perspective, the enemy is going to use it against us because remember, he is... God even says it in Genesis chapter three, he's the craftiest of them all. And what is he crafty at doing? Deception and deceit, trying to convince like he did Adam and Eve to go against the word of God and not to understand what God is was saying. God was already speaking big picture to them when he told them not to eat that tree from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But he caused Eve, And Adam followed to see the here and the now and to think something was being kept from them. And so therefore they were deceived. Saints, we must understand that God is at work. He knows exactly what he's doing. And when we position ourselves in Christ, whatever it is, has to go to Christ, through Christ to get to us. We cannot be in a better position. And when we understand the big picture of God, we will not be afraid. We will not be able to be lied to by the enemy because we're able to see God at work, amen. It doesn't mean that we take delight in people suffering. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is understand There's a reason why the fire went through Hawaii, amen. It wasn't just because there was an electrical shortage or something, see beyond that. It isn't why Leesburg, Leesville, I mean, in Louisiana, I mean, who even knows where Leesburg is, but Leesburg also had a fire that came through and, and wiped most of it out. There is, God is speaking and we must understand and say, God, what are you saying? Because God, we can't just keep saying the devil this and the devil that and we leave God out. God is at work. Read the scripture. Nobody said he will do. And then what is our response? Our response is, if my people will humble themselves, Amen. We need to humble ourselves. When we see that evil is being being, uh, uh, lifted up and exalted as good and good and evil, he said, woe to them who does such a thing. When laws that are an abomination of God are being passed and we say nothing, do nothing, God is not pleased with that. We must see the big picture. God was showing Jeremiah to tell the jeremiah get the big picture see it and then be able to share that with others I know you're concerned with the here and now, but I want you to understand beyond that. And the one that's going to bring that peace, because as you said, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but true peace on this earth is not coming until he's on it. And he's ruling and reigning from Mount Zion. Amen. So God is going to do the things that need to be done so that the enemy does not Completely take over and deceive everyone. That's what the Bible says, unless he intervenes, even the elect would be uh deceived and if he had not shortened it we would be amen what is he saying it's not possible because God is not going to allow that to happen to those that are in Christ and in Christ is just it's a lot more than just saying the name of Jesus in Christ means that I obey him because I love him it means that his ways become my ways it means that as as Christ surrendered and gave himself to the Father, then we must do the same thing. Submit, give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and when we submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. We must see beyond again. Our own comfort and convenience and our own ease, because God is going to take us out of that and then ask Him to examine and check our heart. Is there anything that we love more than God that would cause us to be out of position and out of right alignment with God? Amen. Unfortunately, when we read about the Hebrews and the Israelites, they were so blinded they could not see. And though he sent prophet after prophet, warning after warning, they would not heed and they kept doing what they were doing and they would not listen. I mean, they uh, ridiculed and treated Jeremiah, threw him in jail and all of these things. But God was at work and they refused to see God was at work. And all the other false prophets were proclaiming peace, peace. We must be careful When we're proclaiming peace, peace, when God is saying, "Mm -mm, there is no peace and this is what I'm doing.
1: Amos 3, 6 says, is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? And then it says, does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? And that was the point of the scripture. Basically, the Lord saying, are you not considering that if a disaster comes, that it is I who have allowed it or I that have done it? And I mean, I think that's very profound that we can't just we shouldn't just consider that this is just nature because one God is sovereign and nothing happens unless it goes through his sovereignty that he's allowed it. And so if he's allowed it, there's a reason for it. And typically when we see disaster coming to a city in scripture, it's wake up calls you know, it is for the people to notice. And this is even what was this scripture was saying in Amos 3, 6, he was like, do you not even notice my hand here that I'm trying to get your attention?
0: Amen. And I really believe saints that we must be careful because we have said, well, God will never do that. And God doesn't do that. But God in his word says, I, 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 I. Know what the word of God says, and God is his word. All of it, amen. God is his word, and he tells us he is the one. Why? Because they turn their back against him, and they refuse to obey. They refuse to obey. Day and night, Christians are turning their back on Jesus and refusing to obey or bringing things that are an abomination to God into the house of the Lord and proclaiming it as Christ. That is an abomination. It is not so. It is not so. The word of God is the absolute truth from beginning to end. Amen. Glory be unto God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anyone else?
2: i like to tag along with uh, what Sister Christa said, which is something that I always take comfort in because uh, God, he doesn't have to give us a wake-up call. I mean, he can leave us to perish in our condition, but what I often take comfort is the fact that he still does something to create a wake-up call so that we can all know that he's the one acting. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm always reminded uh, by what I heard uh, from Dr. John when he said that, uh, when the Lord told him that, pray that the remnant will increase, because the times will get difficult. And when I look at uh, uh the patterns in, in history about the Christian martyrs, many people were drawn to to the Lord because of what uh, the faithfulness of the Christian until death. And so I still see a beauty in this, as Pastor Sylvia says that you know God does everything within the context of love, and to 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 just know that we know that even. If one soul repents and turns to God, all of heaven rejoices because of his action. And I'm I'm just grateful that God's sovereignty always will produce something good, whether it is in judgment or in reward. Um, and what I take comfort is the fact that many will be drawn to the Lord. Many will open their eyes and 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 see the error of their ways and turn to Christ, so that they may not be destroyed. So. Not only do I see the uh uh, uh the 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 horrendous nature, uh, just to see that people is gonna are gonna suffer through this, but I see something good still coming out of this, and that gives me courage.
0: Amen, and that is what we need to remember. God did what He did because if He didn't, all of the Israelites they would have perished. So he had to intervene because he knew out of that, speaking into what you said, the remnant would arise. God is always keeps a remnant unto himself and that remnant he separates out. That's why the Bible talks about separating the wheat from the tear, amen, the sheep from the goats, there is a separation, and that separation occurs, that separation comes based on what God knows is going to take for those that will receive, will hear, will hearken, and will turn, that they may be saved, that, and through that, all will be able to see and come to know who this great and this wonderful God is. Saints, God has never made a mistake. He's never made an error. No one will ever be able to accuse God of being unjust, unfair. No one will ever be able to accuse him of being anything other than who he is. Amen. Now, may men speak foolishness about him? Absolutely. But Will it be so? And will they be able to stand before him and do so? Absolutely not. He's perfect in all of his ways. And I say that God doesn't just allow things to happen. God causes them. Amen. Even when we look at the book of Job, God was the one who told uh, Satan about Job. Have you seen my servant Job? Amen. Have you seen him? God is always at work. He is the stronger than, he is the greater than, he is the mightier than. He is God
3: and God alone. Amen. Anyone else? Questions, comments, thoughts? You know, uh, when you were sharing, I I was really impressed and uh, I was really touched because uh, for me, I feel the Lord is calling me based on your sharing the urgency to have his word close to us because when when you shared you showed the love of god the the wrath of god and the promises of god and he's a covenant keeping god when we read the bible the the examples that you showed also tells us why he did it Mm -hmm. he explains he wants them ahead and then he sees and he shows us why they they slack and he also shows us the consequences and there are so many things that we do not understand when it happens to us because we are we we always follow our fears our uh, disappointment our feelings our emotions overwhelms us but when we have our the word close to us then we know that there is a reason and it's always good. And then we, we can remember what God says that, I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper, not to mm-hmm. not to arm us, but a future full of hope. And uh, in fact, uh, like one classic example was many years back when we, when uh, Southeast Asia was hit with the tsunami, Aceh was destroyed completely. And there were so many body counts and they, some they couldn't even count because it was covered by mud and they, they knew that they were lost. That's it. And um, after so many years, then we found out that these people were dead against Christianity and they were doing all kinds of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So judgment came. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also heard like, I was like close friends of mine who are serving the Lord and their pastors and all the stuff. And at an early age they pass away. And I used to wonder why Lord, why Lord? And then the Lord reveals me, Well, they have finished all that they have supposed mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. So it's time for them to be with me. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's very encouraging. There is the 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 consequences of our behavior, good and bad. So And I I realized the only way I will understand is having the word close to me and and allowing the word, not only to just read the word, but allowing the word to renew my mind so I can see from heaven's light and allowing the Lord to heal my emotions because many times we make hasty decisions or we respond or even pray like what you said, we can pray. If we do not understand the word, we can pray against the word, against the will of God. We can be on the wrong side and wondering why it's not happening. Thank you, Pastor Sylvia, for reminding uh, me especially that I really need to hold on to the word. Amen. Amen.
0: Absolutely. And that is the key. We must get the word in us. And let the word of God speak for itself, amen. We are in a culture, and I'm not making this all inclusive, but many have just been taught to go and read what they call to be the blessings and then leave everything else out. And then try to hold God to, but God, you said this and God, you said that. But he said, but did you see my conditions? Did you read it in its context? and help me bring full understanding? Are you seeing me as totally who I am or do you have a one-sided view? And that is, I only bless. But I don't bring forth my righteous judgments who ultimately will be a blessing because it will cause others to escape and stop doing that stuff that would lead them to eternal damnation. God is always at work and we should not hold him and say, well, you know, your word says that you don't want anyone to perish. He doesn't. That's not a question. But people are perishing because they're choosing other things. And again, that's why I highlighted that this wasn't a two-year span. It wasn't a three-year span. It wasn't even a four-year. If you go back from when Joshua passes away and you go into the book of of, uh, Judges up until Zedekiah goes into captivity, it's over 800 years that God has been warning them. He's been speaking to us. If we bring it to modern Christianity, Christ, it was over 2,000 years ago, and we're still messing it up. And again, that perfection is not in us because we can't do it. But he's given us what we need, the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us life, and we keep choosing death. That will not be because God is mean. It will not be because God is quick-tempered. No, he is. He is slow to anger and he's quick to forgive. But it means that when the anger came it's because we refuse to repent and seek the forgiveness. Amen. But the warnings come and no one is going. Many are gonna be taken by surprise, but no one will be taken without warning. Saints, we must gird ourselves up for the days that are ahead. And how do we do that? By staying in the presence and staying in his word. Know this word so that when things are happening, when the saints are turned over, we're still alive and we're turned over to Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Let us not think that God has abandoned us. Let us know it's what he said and he's gonna see us through. And out of that, a testimony for his glory will come forth. Our life is to be a testimony for the glory of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, once again, we just thank you because you are the Lord, our God. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, we thank you for your word because we know it was divinely inspired by you, Holy Spirit, so that we could read this word and our eyes would be open to the revelation and deeper understanding of who you are because deep cries out to deep. I pray that you would allow us to have eyes to see you at work in the big picture, not just in the itty bitty when it comes to little old me, But what you're doing, Lord God, for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on the earth. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into kingdom thinking, kingdom dwelling, kingdom being. And as a result of that, your kingdom would show up in our lives in every word, every action, every deed. And our prayers would be in alignment and agreement with you. I pray that we would be like Jeremiah in the midst of all the confusion you've already told us the bottom line amen and you share that on what's going to happen and it's there for us in the book of Revelation. So from cover to cover I pray we fall in love with your word that we meditate on it day and night and God no matter the situation and the circumstance, we seek you till we find you. We see you in the midst of it all because you are in the center of it all. Life without you as the center is not worth living. And we don't want to be a moment, a second without you, Lord God. I pray as we read the word, you take us into deeper understanding and revelation of who the God of the Bible is, the creator of the universe, the one and only God. Bless my brothers and my sisters, Lord God, as you continue to watch over and prepare us for what you are doing. And may you give us again eyes to see and ears to hear. Bless our families, Lord God. And I pray in times of struggle, turmoil, and even in times of peace and joy, we will continually draw near to you so that you can draw near to us that our relationship would be so intertwined and interwoven with you that we would know where you begin and where we start, where you end and where we begin. We would be one with you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. May we become the answer to your prayer, one in you and one with one another in Jesus' most powerful, wonderful name.
3: Amen and amen.